And if you're, if you're new here, maybe you don't know where the playground is. It's outside on that side of the building and the, the chapel uh, is right over here. And if you don't know where that is, look around here at someone who looks like they know what they're doing and ask them uh, where that is. So um, we're up to uh, 3 John uh, verse 12 today. Uh, we'll finish 3 John next week and then the week after that we'll start Jonah. Um, uh, before I read the text, uh, let me pray. Uh, pray with me. Father, we come to you today rejoicing in the fact that you love us, uh, that we are so very dear to you. Uh, we confess that uh, we are often tempted uh, to uh, be cynical and critical, uh, that we are tempted to uh, speak uh, poorly of one another, that we are tempted to um, uh, be quick to speak and slow to listen. Uh, and Lord, we uh, pray today that as we talk about the issue of reputation, uh, that you would set us free from that idol and that you would uh, settle our hearts and our lives today in the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ to us. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, we're going to talk about reputation, which is so hilarious, because if you were at the 9 o'clock service, I trashed my reputation uh, by totally messing up the communion liturgy. And so um, I told Kevin Schaefer, uh, the worship leader, that I wish I could tell you that I won't do that at 1030, but I'd be a liar. So... Um, uh, if you think of it, uh, before you get to communion, you could pray that Steve doesn't zone out while he's singing and forget, suddenly wake up and like, wait, what are we doing? And uh, give the benediction before anybody's had communion. So <laughs> it's all good. All right, Third John, verse 12. Uh, this text is in the bulletin, also up on the screens behind me. This is God's word, and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. So let's talk a little bit about reputation. Obviously, this man, Demetrius, uh, as John writes to his friend Gaius, as he, I am expecting, uh, Demetrius is the one who delivered this letter to the church there. Uh, John is commending him and saying, look, this guy has a great reputation with me, with the church here, and with the truth itself. And it's a, it's a, it's a, that's a great thing for us to, to, to think about, but you also have to think of the flip side of this. The reason why John is having to establish Demetrius' reputation is because more than likely, uh, at least we talked about this man Diotrephes a few weeks ago, always put himself first, probably thinks that Demetrius doesn't have that great a reputation, right? So, so I, I want us to spend a little bit of time about that, on that today because for us, for many of us, reputation is everything. And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Um, one of the things that I think is, as we look at this today, we're going to unpack a little bit about why that is the case. We're going to, we're going to look at uh, the, the issue of, 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 of reputation. We're going to look at someone real quickly that God esteemed as having a great reputation. We're going to look at what Jesus' 
reputation was, and then we're going to draw some conclusions from what John says about Demetrius about ourselves. Years ago when the church was, and, and let me just say something about this too, about the, the, the God of reputation in our culture. You, do you know that there are reviews on Google online for the church? Stars, number of stars. There's only one star in this church, anyway. Um, but I just think, <laughs> I just think that is such, a, such, such an interesting thing, right? It says a lot about us, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, years ago, when the church was very new and we were struggling to make it week to week and uh, day to day, frankly, uh, we were at a, one of our kids' soccer games over here um, uh, behind uh, Pemberton Elementary School. Uh, our kids were playing soccer. Marty's there with me. She is within earshot of me talking to another mom. And, her, and because my wife is warm and friendly and inviting, she was talking about her church to this lady. And the lady said to her, like, well, what church do you go to? Well, we go to the new church, West End Presbyterian Church, that meets at what was then Bird Middle School, now Cuyacasin Middle. And the lady said, I've heard of that church. So I'm, like, listening and uh, she says, I hear that the, the pastor of that church is a good preacher. So I'm like, you know, after, there is a God after all. And um, uh, Marty looked at her so sweetly and said, yeah, he's not that great. <laughs> but it is a good church. Reputation, right? Uh, because, uh, and, I, and I tell you that story, it's kind of silly and kind of dumb, and we laugh at it, but it, I think it, it gets at something here, right? Sometimes our reputation becomes more important to us than it should be. And sometimes our reputation is less important to us than it should be, right? Because the fact of the matter is, at, 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 if, if, if you are... Uh, embracing the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ, if you are embraced by the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ, if you are entrusting yourself to him and you are struggling in repentance and faith and seeking forgiveness to, to live the life that Jesus calls us to live, at some point or another, at some time or another, you're going to disappoint somebody. And someone is going to say, you know what? They're not so great. What will you do then? You know, the temptation is always to defend ourselves. The temptation is to always, what is it, reputation defender, right? Well, I'm, I'm going to be on hair trigger to make sure I defend myself. But, but the fact is, this thing is more nuanced than that. I do know this. Don't give the power of other, don't give the, such great power to other fallen, sinful human beings. Okay? It's important for us to think a little bit about our reputation, and it, and it is an important thing that, that particularly other brothers and sisters in Christ think, think well of us, see the fruit of the Spirit in us, see the work of God in us. That is, a, that is a good thing. But it is also more important for us to understand uh, whose opinion of us really matters. There's a man in the Old Testament that, that God uh, thought had a great reputation. 
And I think this, this passage it helps us get a, a little bit at uh, what's important for us to think about this. The Old uh, Testament book of Job describes a, a great man to us. Job was the richest man on earth. He uh, had a lot of kids and a lot of property and was highly successful. But more than that, he had garnered God's attention. And we read about this strange story where God is holding court one day in heaven and, and the heavenly beings are coming and going and giving reports. And, and here's what we see. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? You know, God's about to brag on somebody, right? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. You would think that would be the final word, right? Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. And, but now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to his face. So you see here what's happening is God says, look at Job. What a great reputation he is. Look at, look at him. What a great guy. What does is, what is the devil want to say about that? He says, hey, you know what? Job is a weak person, you bought him off. He's only the way he is because you've made him successful. Make him unsuccessful and he'll curse you to your face. Now, what's interesting about that is Satan's not only trashing Job's reputation, which he certainly is, but he's trashing God's reputation because nobody would obey God, nobody would believe God, nobody would trust God unless God bought him off. Unless God said, you know what, I'm going to bless you. And so that's why Job would be that way. Now, here's the, the first thing that we have to think about that, about reputation. One of the things, whenever you hear people talk about reputation is, our first concern is, oh, gee, I don't want anybody to talk about me. We are, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as much as it is humanly possible, our first and foremost thing should be to be protective of and zealous for the reputations of others. Because when we're not, Job's not perfect. Job's not, uh, 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 he never sinned. God knows that. Uh, but God upholds Job, and when we are quick to destroy the reputations of others, who do we look like in this story? Now, that doesn't preclude us from rebuking sin. That doesn't preclude us from saying, hey, brother, you know, let me, uh, you know, and, and calling each other rightly to account directly with one another. But when we view reputation as a powerful weapon to use against someone else, when we build our fellowship with others because we can complain and tear down the reputation of others together, who do we look like? 
And so this issue of reputation is a, is a two-sided coin because, because on the one hand, we want to repent. We want to ask God to pour out his spirit upon us, to change us, to reorient us so, so that we bear the fruit of the gospel in our lives, the good news of Jesus Christ. But it also, at the same time, we have a responsibility to be careful about the reputation of others, right? So, so it's, it's, it, it, reputation can be a gift. It can be a great gift. It can be a gift we can give someone else. It can be a gift to us. Uh, but it can also be a burden, right? When we're on some sort of treadmill to maintain a, a, a you know, great Google reviews or we're on a treadmill to, to maintain everyone thinking that we're great, that's not what the gospel is. Jesus died, lived, died, and rose again to set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And part of the freedom that we have in that is that we are not bound to worship at the idol of other people's opinions of us. Yes, we need to bear fruit in our lives. But if, all, if my primary concern is I want other people to think well of me, we're gonna, where's, where's the good news? Where's the grace? Where's the mercy of God in that? And so the, the, the very uh, reality of this is that the, the way this, this must work itself out in my life is if I entrust myself and I entrust my reputation as I repent, as I seek forgiveness, as I seek to understand and to take Jesus at his word, as I do that, I make much of what Jesus thinks of me and less of what others think of me that my reputation will take care of itself, right? Demetrius had a great reputation not only with the church as we see here uh, and with John, but more importantly with the truth itself, as John says. And that's really the issue for us, right? What does Jesus think of us, right? Because here's one of the things that's important for us to understand about that is, as you think about that, you think, well, well, I'm sure Jesus, you know, looks at me and thinks, you know, you're pretty good at these things, Steve, but you're not doing so hot over here. Certainly, Jesus is aware of, of our deepest and darkest places of our souls and our hearts, right? There's, there's no doubt about that, but, but, Jesus loves us. He is for us. And he is way more invested in our growth and change than, than we are. His opinion, ultimately, is the one that matters. But more than that, do you know that Jesus knows what it's like to have people talk about you? <laughs> he knows what that's like. You know, if you were to go around in America today and say, hey, what do you think of Jesus? I think most people would say, oh, he's a great guy. You know, the power brokers were down on him. Uh, he went around helping people. He went around doing good things. You know, he was kind and gentle. He, he elevated the poor and the weak. He was, yeah, he was great. He was great. Nothing, I don't have anything bad to say about Jesus. Well, what did the people who were his contemporaries say about him? Coming to his hometown, he taught the people in their synagogue, and they were astonished. Where did this man get such wisdom and miraculous powers? This is why I avoid Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, 
course, trust me, nobody's going to say wisdom and miraculous powers. No Queen of Sheba is coming to Richmond to see what, as we read the Old Testament, see, see what great words Steve has to say. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us as well? When did this man get all these things? Oh, this is Jesus. You know, we know that guy. We played on the playground with him, right? Jesus said this about himself. The son of man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, we read that and we think, well, of course Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners because we've been around church long enough to know that the tax collectors and the sinners are the good people. They're the people that Jesus liked. No. Tax collectors stole from people. You know, we read about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. We think he was cute, and everybody loved him. They hated him. And they hated Jesus for going to dinner at his house. So, so the fact of the matter is there are plenty of people that look at Jesus and think, wow, you know, he... He, he hangs out with drunks. He, he hangs out with people that eat too much. He hangs out with thieves. What must he be like, right? We read at Luke, in Luke chapter 15, you know, Luke chapter 15, the, the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, right? Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and scribes began to grumble, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Right? And then the, my favorite thing about Jesus' reputation, bear with me, this is a little bit of an extended passage from the Gospel of John where Jesus is having a dispute with uh, the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus says this, I'm, I'm one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your Father? We've heard the rumors about where you came from, Right? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we'll be set free? Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, this is getting close to home. They don't want, they want to talk about this, so you'll see how they respond to this. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. And we know who Jesus thought their father was. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children. Yeah, we're not illegitimate children. We know about your mom and that pregnancy and what Joseph had to go through. The only father we have is God himself. How ironic. Right? Next slide, please, Brian. So the, the, fact, the fact of the matter is, you know, the, the, the only sinless man who ever lived, the only perfect human being who ever walked the face of the earth, 
had our people talk about him like this. Right? So he knows what it's like to be misunderstood. He knows what it's like to be alone in this. He knows what it's like to walk through life with as he is loving and preaching and telling the truth to have people be so, so critical, talk so poorly about him. Now, obviously, some people said good stuff. There were people who said good things about Jesus. There, there were people who followed after him. There were people who, who uh, entrusted themselves to him. But there were plenty of people who thought he was terrible, even that he might be demon-possessed. And so as we, if, 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 as we unpack this issue of, of, of reputation, we have to get at, get at that nuance, right? And the, the issue for us today is, yes, reputation is a valuable thing. And no, we don't want to be known as people who live lives as if we are, have no accountability to one another or, or, God forbid, no accountability to our Lord and Savior. But the fact of the matter is... Uh, uh, the, if, if our God becomes our reputation with other people, we will never experience the freedom that is the gospel. And in fact, our reputation will probably suffer more. When people come on the staff of the church, um, I tell them that they have an important ministry. And they think, oh, you think the kids' ministry or the women's ministry or the men's ministry or whatever is, 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 is important. I'm like, no, no, no. It's the ministry we all have, and it's called the ministry of disappointment. And they're startled. Not that we set out to disappoint, and not that one should be uh, disappointing because that's what you set out to be, but sooner or later, if you are faithfully doing what God has called you to do, you will disappoint someone. And you always find out a lot about the people on the staff when you say that, because the person who says, I'm never going to do that, I got to pray for those people, because they might not make it, <laughs> right? They, they might be so undone by the fact that they disappointed someone that that the gospel goes out the door, the good news goes out the door, the grace of Jesus goes out the door. Because in fact, you're not leading and shepherding God's people if someone doesn't think and doesn't speak poorly of you at some time. So if everybody always speaks well of you, I'm suspicious. I'll start speaking poorly of you. But uh, because it, it, makes, it makes me wonder what's going on. What's, what's happening here? Aren't, aren't, aren't you telling somebody the, the truth? I, I, I don't know. So as we, as we, rest, as, as we wrestle with, with this, it's important for us to, to think a little bit about that because if, if Jesus is ultimately the source of our righteousness, then I am set free from my righteousness, my right standing being determined by other people's opinion. Right now, Proverbs says this, right? Um, a good name is more desirable than great riches to be esteemed as better than silver or gold. Now, sometimes we misinterpret the Proverbs instead of Proverbs, instead of wisdom, they become laws, right? And so we make that a law that we live by. That's not a law. That's, that's a statement about how life is and how generally that is a good thing. And it is a good thing. 
But the issue for you and I this morning about our reputation is centered on this. What does Jesus think about you? What is your reputation with your Savior? What is your reputation with this one who lived, died, and rose again for us? What, what's your reputation for, with this one who sees you in and out and knows you front and center, front and back, all about you? What does he think? Well, sometimes we, th- we hear that and we think, oh, I don't want to know what he thinks because, you know, I, I'm here this morning and I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with having drunk too much last night or I'm here this morning because I, I, I did things I shouldn't do or I'm here this morning struggling in a relationship with someone or I'm here this morning and I'm cold as a stone. Well, Jesus knew that about you before you got here. You shouldn't drink too much. You shouldn't be cold as a stone. You should work to restore and have good relationships. But your standing before Jesus Christ, if you belong to him today, is never in doubt. And if you're struggling today with those things, there's a very simple thing for all of us to do, and and that is simply to turn to the one who welcomes sinners and tax collectors, the worst of the worst, who welcomed them and said, I love you, repent, trust me. Turn away from these things and turn more and more and more to the one who loves you to where there is life. What do you think it was like for the man next to Jesus on the cross who died that Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise? Right? And so as we, as we think about uh, this today, Jesus has set us free to live because he's given us his record and his opinion ultimately is the one that matters the most. You see, that's great. That is such good news for us today. And, and, and I want to urge you, uh, as you think about this and as, as the Spirit of God works on you this morning about this, is, is to rest in uh, who and what Jesus is for you, what he's done. And it's such a great thing for us to be able to come to the table of the Lord today because we, we get the opportunity to come here. When you, when you come to the table of the Lord this morning, you will be saying some things about yourself, right? Now, now note, we've all, you've already sung this morning um, that uh, false and full of sin I am. Right? You will be saying here shortly that uh, you will be confessing our sin publicly, out loud, in front of other people, right? When we come to the table of the Lord, we are proclaiming the Lord's death as, until he comes, as I'll read in just a few minutes. And, and that's essential because Jesus must die for us to be able to come. Jesus must make atonement for us to be set free. Jesus must do these things for us. And so, so my word to you today is trust him and trust yourself to him. Look to him. See what it is that he has done on your behalf and lean your life and your heart into that. 
Paul writes these words, For I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's join our voices together in confessing our sins together. Pray with me. Most holy and merciful Father, we confess to you before one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. We repent before you, Lord. Restore us, good Lord. Hear us, for your mercy is great. Accomplish in us the work of your salvation, that we may show forth your glory in the world. By the cross and passion of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, Bring us with all your saints into the joy of his resurrection. Believers hear these words of encouragement this morning. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 